Husky fans, this is Max Cerullo, and you are listening to another episode of Yes, UConn, the podcast where we dive deep into the greatest UConn basketball games ever played. And uh, today, we're going to kind of continue our recent theme of uh, covering some of the, the new kids on the block, uh, and you know, or in some cases, the old kids on the block. But now, in this case, we are actually going to uh, focus on one of the uh, new members of the new Big East. Uh, that would be Xavier. And joining me today is uh, probably the, the captain of... Xavier Twitter, Captain Xavier. Uh, Captain, how's it going? Hey, I'm doing well. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, no problem. So I have a question kind of right off the top, and I, I guess I should have asked you before we started recording, but uh, you uh, you you kind of unmasked yourself on The Athletic the other day. So do you want to, I guess, go by, refer to each other by our actual names, or are we kind of in bur- are, you know, try to uh, maintain the integrity of, of the burner, so to speak? I really don't care, but I think people just know me by Cap the best. So that's kind of what I go by. All right, awesome. So uh, if you want to know what uh, Cap's real name is, uh, The Athletic just did a, a whole thing on uh, some of the top U- uh, the top Twitter accounts in college basketball. Uh, you are one of them. Uh, our good old buddies, uh, No Escalators, are on that list as well. Uh, you guys have become quite the quite the thing on Twitter together, haven't you? Yeah, I think it's a one-sided relationship, but it's been documented for sure. No, absolutely. So, yeah, so, um, Captain, I just uh, I wanted to have you come on just because, uh, you know, one of the worst parts about being in the American Athletic Conference for UConn fans has been the fan interaction and, you know, the lack thereof. So one of the very first things that struck me when UConn got in uh, back into the Big East is all of a sudden we have this random dude from Xavier who's just, like, talk, you know, telling funny jokes and kind of just kind of talking on our wavelength so i guess kind of just a, a, a good place to start is kind of tell me a little bit about, about yourself and uh you know for you know uconn fans who haven't encountered you online yet you know sort of what your deal is and you know sort of that your your background yeah absolutely so i created my little twitter account about two years ago it was born out of annoying people with my regular account pretty much just because all i want to talk about was Xavier basketball um but that was pretty much the start of it and i just like to have fun I like to troll a little bit. I think the rivals should be, uh, you know, a, a little out there. I don't think it should all be friendly all the time, but it's all in good fun. No, that's awesome. So, you know, um, I guess just kind of, you know, a good place to start with this too. So, you know, last year, uh, you know, UConn and Xavier got a chance to actually play kind of and provided a really great preview of kind of what this rivalry could be. Um, so as this is going to go forward, you know, obviously UConn and Xavier are going to play twice a year going forward. Um, but unlike some of the other teams in the conference, like Providence and Georgetown, UConn and Xavier really haven't, they don't have any real history, at least not yet. So uh, what can you tell us about Xavier, just kind of the big picture, like, you know, uh, you know, bird's eye view of the program that people should know before, you know, kind of just kind of establish a little bit of a, a base when it comes to, you know, the UConn-Xavier re- relationship going forward? Yeah, absolutely. I'd say Xavier's a program that's very, very hungry. I mean, we've come up from next to nothing. I mean, if you look at us from 1985, I mean, we were a modern-day Evansville, pretty much. Um, and we got really, really good there at the end of the Chris Mack era. Um, we got a one seed, I mean, uh, multiple Sweet 16s and Elite Eights. Um, and obviously, we just changed to Travis Steele about two years ago. And it's been it's been tough. We've taken our lumps. We've been in the NIT pretty much the last couple years. But I think we really like our... Uh, our trajectory we're recruiting at a really high level and uh, i think we like what we're bringing in and so i think that we are on the come up i think that uconn and xavier are in similar positions 
So I think you're looking at two programs that are very, very hungry and are trying to get back to where they were a couple years ago. Nice. Absolutely. So walk me through, we'll say, the transition from where – actually, I have to admit, I'm where. what conference was Xavier in before the, the Big East? I, I, I forgot. Are, were you guys in the A-10 or were you uh, a Horizon or, or what were you guys? Very fair question. We were in the Atlantic 10, I want to say 10 to 15 years. Okay, very good. So you guys go from the A-10 to the Big East. What was that period like for you guys? And what has the last seven years been like for you in the Big East while UConn has been off on our own adventure? Yeah, I can't lie to you. It was awesome. I mean, I grew up as a kid just idolizing all the Big East programs. I fell in love with basketball in the early 2000s. And I remember being in the A-10 and Xavier was kind of scratching and clawing. I mean, we had come a long way from where we were in the in the 90s, but we were still really trying to find our footing in college basketball and the whole landscape. So it, it was like a dream come true. I can't lie to you for the first couple seasons, even though we were in a little bit of a weird spell. It was when we entered the Big East, we were in kind of the weirdest transition we had been in a long time. And we had one of our best players transfer out, and we were kind of on the most unstable footing we had been in a long time before we came to the Big East. So we weren't great the first couple years, but then we get really got it rolling with Chris Mack. He had a huge recruiting class with J.P. McCure and Trayvon Blewett, and he really got it going. And we've, we've actually recruited the second most wins in Big East play um, of every new Big East team other than Nova. Um, so we've really been right there. I mean, I, we got a one seed. We've, won the, we've been the only other team to win the conference outright in the regular season. Um, so I really feel like we've, we've done a really, really good job. We have the second most NCAA tournament wins of new Big East teams so far. Uh, so we really like where we are. It's been great for us. I really think it raised our profiles and programs, allowed us to recruit different kids. And uh, I, I think we're really happy with our footing. But obviously, the last couple of years have been tough for us. So we're really, really hungry to kind of get back to where we were a few years ago. No, absolutely. Now, I was going to say, like, yeah, in terms of wins and losses, you guys have been pretty successful. What about, we'll say, the, the culture around the program? Because, um, you know, obviously, like, when you go to a new conference, these things can change. So what, like... Have you guys established, I don't know, any new rivalries with any of the other schools in particular uh, within the Big East? Or, I don't know, has anything kind of happened that you would say has been a, a notable change from kind of the way things were before? Oh, definitely. I mean, in the, in the A-10, I mean, we won six straight titles in a row. So we were getting everybody's best shot every single game. And we honestly had the best dudes every single game we were playing. I mean, Coach Mack would even say, he's like, I knew every single game we're going into, we have the best players. You know, like, even if we're on our B game, our C game, we're probably going to win. And in the Big East, there's no nights off. But it's been some interesting dynamics. I mean, we really didn't like Butler at all before the, before the Big East. We had some rough interactions with them. We had, you know, Xavier broke one of their water fountains on a road game. We had a clock debacle where they had the clock, you know, end before the game was over when we were at their house and. That, that ended the game, even though we had the ball down one point. So Xavier fans are upset about that. So <laughs> Xavier and Butler fans do not like each other, and that's become a new um, and even more strong rivalry. I think with Seton Hall, we've had some pretty big moments. I think with Providence, we've had some pretty big moments that have made us not like each other so much. And and I think you'll see this too. And I mean, you obviously know it as well as anyone, but you'll notice it just from the contrast. Every environment is crazy. And uh, it's, you're not going to be playing at ECU in front of a, a thousand fans, you know, you're going to be at the rock. You're going to be at, you know, all these crazy places where it's, it's nuts every single night. Yeah. I'm but, glad uh, I'd say with Nova, we're really hungry to get those guys. And then with a lot of the middle, the teams that finish in the middle, we just have a lot of battles where every road game is tough. So it's, and obviously if you lose on the road, 
Uh, if you lose at home, they're not going to be happy. So a lot of a lot of places don't like us. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. No, you know, I'm glad you brought up the, the kind of the environment. That certainly is something I think a lot of UConn fans are excited for. You got you, uh, you, you know, you, you had, uh, you know, the UConn Twitter phenomenon, Mr. Hot Balls on your podcast the other day. Uh, really good stuff, by the way. And, you know, one of the things that struck me when listening to that was just like, how much of a bummer the American Athletic Conference like viewing experience has been, you know, even like, honestly, like, you know, like when you when you're UConn and you can't even win in this conference, like even even Gamble has been kind of rough. But the last couple of years, you know, we've seen a couple of those games where, you know, Houston, for instance, comes in on senior night and the place just pops off. And, you know, I can't wait to see that again. Um, Xavier, from what I understand, you guys do show up like for all your home games. And, you know, for all these games I've seen, like, you know, just kind of on TV and stuff, it seems pretty impressive. So if any enterprising UConn fan decided to make the trip out to Cincinnati, what can they expect and would they uh, get out alive? I think you'd get out alive. <laughs> Definitely maybe more so than me at UConn. Um, but if you look at pretty much any top 25, you know, they do those rankings on arenas in college basketball, Xavier will pretty much be in the teens and dang near every ranking. Um, I think sometimes it can get a little overrated just because our record was so good because we we're kind of like the Gonzaga effect where you're playing A-10 teams for the most part. So our record was amazing at Cintas. Um, but yeah, we don't like to lose there. I mean, we take as much pride in our home court as maybe anyone in the country. And uh, we'll sell out against Eastern Tennessee State. We'll sell out against Nova. I mean, the environment will definitely get up for Nova and Cincinnati. And, you know, if Creighton's going to be really good this year, we'll get up for that game, obviously. But, but every game will be a sellout. And I guarantee you the first time UConn comes to town, it's going to be wild. I do think that there has been a lot of drama built up between the two programs. So I, I honestly do think there's a special energy right now between those two teams. And I think the first time we go there and the first time you guys come here, it's going to be special. No, I'm, I'm excited. I think it's going to be fun. And you, I'm just going to, you know, I was going to bring this up later, but since you just kind of covered it there, Cincinnati, you know, you guys have this incredible rivalry with Cincinnati. And, you know, for us, you know, for UConn fans, Cincinnati has been kind of this weird place where like, they're not really a rival of ours, but like for the last like seven years, they've kind of been all we've had. Yep. So, you know, it, you know, well, it's a little different with Mick Cronin not there anymore because that guy was just hilarious. But oh my goodness, I'm Contact just, machine. I'm just curious. You know, how what is the vibe, the dynamic like with that rivalry? Because you know, if you, UConn and Cincinnati's rivalry is built off of kind of neither, you know, just two people who don't like each other being stuck in a room <laughs> for seven years. Yeah, you guys, it's just like it's totally different, like a totally different ball game. So what's that whole dynamic like between you guys? Yeah, I think the way you guys feel about Syracuse is the way we feel about UC. And it's been interesting because, I mean, obviously there's different dynamics, but we do not like those guys. Uh, it's been an uphill battle for Xavier. I mean, UC was really, really, really good, people forget, in the 90s and early 2000s. I mean, getting one seeds, we, we beat them two times and they were number one in the country, and we were unranked. Uh, so it's been an uphill climb for us. Like I said, our program didn't really even get on the scene until the 80s and 90s, and by then, UC was already really good. So they're dominating the all-time series, but we've really been getting them the last 20, 25 years. We've won, I think, 16 or 17 out of the last 23, 24. Um, so we've really been getting them recently. So they're pretty upset about that. They've also taken a step back as a program. Where I feel like we've taken a pretty high step up. So there's just this constant tug-of-war, and the schools are two miles apart. I mean, we are right next door to each other, so everywhere you go, it's either UC or Xavier. You see a guy in a UC shirt, and obviously, if you're wearing a Xavier shirt, you'll chirp at him. It's a twenty, it's a twenty four seven three sixty five rivalry. And the night before, I mean, students will 
camp out in front of the stadium. I mean, there will be parties all night on campus. It's absolutely wild. It, the event takes over the city for, oh, for the whole week. That's It's crazy. That's awesome. Well, I'll tell you this. If you ever come to Gamble and anybody ever gives you trouble, just say something mean about Mick Cronin and whoever you're talking to will just be like, all right, this guy's cool. We'll, we'll, you know, we'll allow it. Um, nice. So, um, yeah. So as far as this year's team goes, uh, you know, Xavier, you know, obviously UConn fans are at least somewhat familiar just cause you know, we happened to play you guys last year, sure. but for this coming season, you know, what is the team looking like for this coming season? And I guess who, who should fans know about, uh, heading into the year? Yeah, definitely. I feel like there's a lot of hope for Xavier basketball because we had really, really talented classes the last couple of years that just didn't pan out. I mean, some of the more talented guys we've had on campus and we just were marginal 19 and 12 type teams, which was weird because normally Xavier gets the most out of his talent. We're normally a school that recruits, you know, top 100 kids and gets a lot out of them, you know, where they kind of play above their ranking. And we had guys that were top 50, top 30 that kind of played below their ranking, which was kind of weird for us. So, so we're hungry as a program and we've really been recruiting at a high level. Um, so I think we're pretty hopeful. This is the first year where the majority of the guys in the program are Travis Steele's guys as opposed to Chris Mack's guys. Um, so it's kind of like he's the head coach now as opposed to guys that had known Trayvon Blewett and JP and he kind of just thought of Travis as like the buddy assistant coach, you know, whereas now he's uh, everyone in the program knows him as the head coach. Um, but yeah, I would say definitely guys to know. Paul Scruggs is a senior. I think he's our best player. Um, very, very solid. He's been pretty much a, a four-year guy. He was you know, a top 30 recruit coming out of high school, um, a borderline five-star, one of our biggest recruits ever. Just very, very solid overall player, great defender. Um, can score the basketball a little bit, but he's more of just kind of a, a do-it-all utility guy. Just very solid at every aspect of the game. He's a shooting guard. Um, and then we have two really, really talented sophomores. You're looking at Zach, Zach Fremantle on the inside and Kiki Tandy as our starting point guard this year. Tandy's an absolute bucket. I mean, that's what he's known for. He's a little 5'10", very wiry, can score in every single way kind of guard, 48-inch vertical, um, undersized but very athletic. And uh, Zach Fremantle, some people are saying, is the best player on the roster. Um we love him. He had the best big I've seen a freshman at Xavier have since David West. Um, so those are the three to know the most. Um, we got a very talented freshman class, though. Uh, Dwan Odom was a top 40 player. Colby Jones, they're saying, is one of the best freshmen they've seen in a long time. And uh, and a lot of transfers. So I think we have like 10 new players in the program. But the three to know are Scruggs, Tandy, and Fremantle, who are going to be the three that we know the most about right now. Nice. That's awesome. So um, now from what I, you know, looking at some of the, so um, here's something that's kind of been a refreshing change of pace. I'm actually looking at Big East previews and looking at the other teams and seeing who's going to be doing well, which is something that we have not done in a while. (laughs) I think, you know, Hot Balls told you on your podcast, you know, it's just like, why would you? Why would you? Who 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 cares about what Tulane and you know Tulsa are up to? So anyway, speaking, you know, that's just a wild sentence I just said. Yeah, like hot hot ball hot ball said on your podcast. Like shout out to hot balls. You're you're the best. It was awesome. <laughs> it was he's great. Um. Anyway, um. You guys, from what I understand, it sounds like are being projected to finish somewhere in the middle of the pack. Where exactly it seems it, it it kind of feels like there's like four or five or even six teams kind of bunched up in the middle and where everybody's going to wind up will you know we'll we'll just have to see where do you think you guys are going to end up do you have a have a sense of if you guys are going to overachieve or do you feel like the consensus that you're kind of in the middle of the Big East rankings is about right 
Yeah, I would say that middle of the, of the Big East ranking is definitely fair. I mean, especially what we've done in the last two years. I mean, normally Xavier's a team that plays way above the ranking. I mean, we'll come into a season and we're not even in any of the top 40s. And then by midseason, we're number 15 in the country and we get into the tournament with a four seed. Um, but the last two years, we've underachieved. So I definitely understand uh, all the pre-rankings and kind of where we're standing. So I would say middle of the pack is fair. Uh, I think the Big East is going to be a gauntlet again, as always. I mean, just, you know... I know you haven't, you know, been in the American, but the three through eight is always like a game or two apart. I mean, Nova normally separates themselves. There's normally a second team that separates themselves a little bit. And then three through eight to nine is just an absolute war. Um, I would say it's pretty much fair. I think we's anybody feel good. I mean, it's October, so in practices, everyone looks good. Um, but I think we have a high ceiling, low floor, a lot of new new guys coming in, and we kind of don't know what it's going to be yet. We've had a lot of seasons where we've kind of been in a similar position and, you know, we don't look that good, but a lot of times where we're like, I don't know what we have, and then we get a two seed, and you know, we're in the top ten. So, uh, I, I kind of think that we feel good about where the program is coming, and I think we're in a good spot. But I would say, probably five to seven is probably fair. Okay. No. Well, you know what the nice thing about the Big East too is that you can finish there, and that's totally good. You know, yeah, UConn finished uh, fifth in the the American last year, and like, you know, for us, it's like, okay, yeah. Well, if we don't win the conference tournament, we're probably going to the NIT. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, you know, let's, uh, kind of just to keep it to your, to the, the team and the roster itself, um, recruiting wise, it seems like you guys have been doing quite well and it seems like that's remaining the case. So how do you, what's kind of the, 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 th- the thoughts about the future? Like, are you guys confident that you're set up in a way that you, you're going to sustain success? Are the recruits looking good? What, what's sort of the situation there? Yeah, I think the majority of the fan base feels absolutely great about the direction of the program because obviously when you change coaches and we've done it multiple times I mean that's kind of what Xavier has done is you know the coach kind of outperforms the job to be honest with you um it's happened time and time again and then you know within five to ten years I mean someone someone big poaches them we've lost our last three coaches to Ohio State Arizona and now Louisville um so obviously you can't get mad at Chris Mack for taking the Louisville job for four million dollars a year I mean it's you got to know your own place in college basketball but we think Steele's the guy. I mean, it's obviously been a tough start, but it wasn't his kids. We've seen – I mean, Sean Miller had a rough start. I mean, Chris Mack had some really tough seasons. So we, I think we know to stay the course. It's just frustrating when you were you know, getting a one seed and then you take a huge drop back. But I think we feel really, really good. I mean, this was a really, really good recruiting class from us. It was really, really deep, and had, the recruiting hasn't skipped a beat. And I think you love the direction. I think that Steele is doing a lot of the things that Chris Mack did. He's been in the program for 10 years, and he's going to emulate a lot of things that we used to do. And I think we feel really, really good. It's just that it's not – you don't know it until you see it, you know, and with Steel yet we haven't seen it. So I think you're a little nervous until you see the success happen, but I think that all the things are in place for it to happen. Nice. Awesome. So, well, that's that's all good stuff. You know, I, I think for sure a lot of, you know, UConn fans are going to enjoy the – what this ri- what, what fruit this rivalry bears. Um, and, you wait. know, but obviously, like, you know, one of the main reasons I wanted to talk to you was about the rivalry and about kind of the new relationship between these fan bases. And uh, when – UConn, so the news, the I, I believe, I forget exactly what the date was, but the day that news broke that UConn was going back to the Big East was just a day that I and a lot of UConn fans had been waiting years for. I mean, almost a decade, really. Like, ever since, I think the, the news that uh, Syracuse and Pitt were going to the ACC just set off, like, an almost decade-long... Uh, 
like just like depression, like this feeling like that these things were just bad and going to get worse and maybe, you know, who knows. So one of the things that I really appreciated about that day was the reaction of the other fans. You know, you have your Georgetown fans being like, hey, yo, this is this is great. You know, it's going to be awesome to have you back. You know, the St. John's and, you know, through gritted teeth, the Providence fans. And then there was like, you know, your crew, you know, all these Xavier people who like, I never had any reason that really care or have any interest in Xavier before are just like, Hey, what's up? So I'm just curious, like what has the reaction been like in, you know, in Xavier country? And I guess, I don't know, were you guys like just being fake nice or are you guys actually like excited to have, uh, have you in the fold? I can't lie to you. I'm stoked. I think that's the pretty, that's the majority. I think, I think we all pretty much feel the same way about being stoked about UConn because it was weird when the conference started because you're looking around and you're like, okay, Georgetown's a big name. Nova's been really good as of recent. But I thought Georgetown was really going to take over the conference. I mean, you look at them as a brand, and uh, I think they really had a position to really be where Nova is right now. Um, but UConn obviously brings a ton from a brand perspective, and I think they're just synonymous with the Big East and what they're going to do for MSG and just the league as a whole and how many teams hate you guys. And uh, honestly, I feel like the Big East is complete now, you know, and not like it wasn't great before. Um, but God, I feel like just everyone's <laughs> unifying hate of you and uh, and just all that kind of stuff has brought everyone together. I mean, I didn't really interact with other fan bases until UConn came, you know, and all that stuff started. Uh, so I really feel like it's kind of made it complete. And UConn, let's call it what it is, was a cornerstone program for the Big East. I mean, an absolute blue blood. So I think we were stoked to have you guys, and I remember just growing up and being like, "Man, that program is—they got it going on." When we were in the when we were in the A10 and whatever, so I, I couldn't be happier. I think that MSG is going to be crazy for the first Big East tournament with you guys, and I think it just renews a lot of rivalries, and it just feels right. I just feel like it's where UConn belongs, and we're just honestly—I don't want to say it that we're like satisfied, but we're kind of just happy to be a part of it. I mean, obviously, we're trying to finish at the top, and we're not going to be content. But honestly, if I you know zoom back to me in 2004 I just could have never imagined being in the same conference as Georgetown and UConn and Villanova and, and all of you guys so uh, we're, we're happy I, I couldn't be more happy I think it's great for the conference great for UConn nice awesome good stuff man well you know what everything you just said is just such a radical change from what we've been hearing from our conference mates recently uh I don't know if you've you know we're used to just like these these wacko guys who are just, just like you know <laughs> oh you know you guys are bad at football and you know women's basketball is lame and we're just like <laughs> we hate you <laughs> like this is so it's it's you know it's good to i guess have i guess yeah i think i just used the phrase being able to see eye to eye with people earlier because right. it's seems like the that's kind of the the thing so um you guys are not the only other newcomers to the conference you know you mentioned butler earlier and creighton who um it turns out they they have a apparently as uh, no no escalators has been kind of uh riling them up recently. Yeah. Uh, you know these these are pretty you know pa- you know passionate fan bases too. So what can we f- expect from these guys? Uh, you know I uh, you know UConn fans are familiar with Butler at least to a certain degree because you know we played them in a national title game. Uh, admittedly, yeah. that was a different era of Butler basketball, but still they're you know they're 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 legit. Uh, and then Creighton is you know they're good they're really good and they yeah, their fans show up i don't know much else about them beyond that except that they're in like nebraska for some reason so what <laughs> tell me what's the what's the scouting report on those uh butler and creighton and i guess what can we all expect from them yeah so i think they're both great because they're both very distinct i'll start with butler because we know them very very well they actually came to the a10 our last year at the a10 with us and we both battled 
the top of the A-10 all season with them. Um, they are, I will call them, the most AAC fan base in the Big East. Um, they're kind of out there in Indiana. They play in a barn that was, you know, that I think they're, I think their on-campus arena went up in 1910 or something ridiculous. It's one of the oldest arenas in college basketball, but it's actually nice and historic. We just call it a barn because we don't like Butler. Um, but Butler is definitely very knockdown, drag out. They're kind of old school. I feel like they don't like get the most talented players in the conference, but they are always tough to play. Henkel's always a nightmare every single time. Um, but that's kind of Butler. But they've, they've done good. They've, they've won the tournament five times. They have the third most NCAA tournament victories since the New Big East formed of all the New Big East teams. But they're just always a gauntlet, always a hard-nosed team. Um, LaVal Jordan's doing an okay job, not as good as, uh, as Holtman. But, but they're always very, very solid. You never want to play them. And then Creighton has really come on the last two or three years. Uh, obviously, when the conference formed, they had Doug McDermott, who was just a dog, and um, they were the second best team in the conference and all that kind of stuff. Sorry, I got a puppy going crazy. It's um, all good. I got I got dogs too. Is wild. They might have the best home court advantage in the conference. Um, I mean, it's big, 15,000 15, plus, and Omaha obviously has nothing other than basketball. So they come out in droves, and they've been really good. They've always had shooters. They don't necessarily play the most defense, but man, they've been coming on the last couple of years, and it looks like that's going to continue there. A consensus top fifteen team this season, so they've really been good as of late, and they have the momentum going right now for sure. No, absolutely. So yeah, so Creighton, I, I don't know much about their team, but their their best player, Marcus Zagorowski, is a guy who I'm actually very familiar with. Uh, so he, uh, so I, I don't, I don't think I told you exactly my my deal. I cover high school sports in addition to the Patriots, and um, oh, cool. you know, up in Massachusetts, and uh, Marcus Zagorowski uh, played before he went to the prep school. He went to he uh, played in like the local high school league. And uh, so I got to see him just like as a sophomore. He led his team to a perfect season and a you know state championship, exactly as you'd expect, because the dude is a baller. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, he's you know he's a fantastic player, and like even back then, like you could tell he was great. But like you know he's got, he's got, like got potential to be an all American this year. I mean, absolutely. Maybe not being potential. I mean, like that's kind of the expectation, right? Like absolutely. That's pretty. That's that's pretty darn good. So you know, you know, Creighton obviously has has a lot going for them. Um, and yeah, I guess just like, you know, obviously I don't expect you to give me a, you know, detailed analysis of Creighton's basketball team, but you know, just like, what can we expect just like the Creighton experience to be? Cause obviously, you know, I think we're finally getting a little taste of their fans. So what's, uh, you know, when UConn and Creighton first play, let's say UConn wins a close game or maybe Creighton wins a close game, but it's like, you know, one of those just like knockdown drag out affairs. Are we going to, are we going to like legit want to like, you know, like kick them out of the conference or is, do they have like redeeming qualities a bit, be like other than just the fact that they're really good? I think they have redeeming qualities. I mean, I think that UConn obviously has like the Northeast thing going with like no escalators where it's like that we're kind of, we're better than you and we know it just kind of like the little pretentious, like anything West of New York is, you know, the boonies. So I could definitely see a lot of like the geographical stuff going on, but I think Creighton has a pretty good fan base. I mean, the ones that I'm close with and I know are, are pretty, you know, educated, and it doesn't really get personal. I, I don't think that you're going to want to kick them out of the conference, but I will say they take a lot of pride in their home court. So if you do beat them over there, you'll definitely hear about it. And uh, I think if they beat you with how loud the UConn fan base can be and how notable the UConn fan base can be, that you'll hear about it. So, but I think with the Big East, though, it, I think it's definitely has a unique quality where kind of all band together 
and especially once the once conference play is over, we kind of root for each other. We're kind of like one unified league. So I think even when it's in conference and you're beating each other, and obviously everyone wants to win and everyone's competitive, I do think there is at least you know it's it's in good fun, and I don't think it gets too out of control. Just as long as they they care, that's really the most. The, the, I think exactly. for, for UConn fans, it's just like please, like you know we you know in the in the, <laughs> in the 90s and the 2000s, you know every game you go to, the place was packed, the teams were great, and like you know Creighton. I don't know anything about them except that they're good and that they have this crazy like what do they average like sixteen thousand fans per yep. game like that's that's hardcore like like that that is <laughs> that's serious for sure so yeah. you know so so shout out to them um, yeah so I, I guess this, why don't we why don't we kind of pivot into kind of uh, you know so we we like to talk about you know great games here last year UConn and Xavier oh. played a banger <laughs> yes, that game fun. that game was fun as hell. Um, now it was frustrating as hell too, because, you know, this was a part of a run where UConn had, well, they just lost a lot of winnable games. And like, this was a game where, you know, the game was over and UConn fans were just like, man, I can't believe they let this one slip away. I know. But, you know, at the same time, like they turned the corner and eventually they started winning those games. But like, that was, that was just an amazing game. So just for starters, you know, tell me, you know, we don't need to kind of dive into like the box score if necessarily, but what were your thoughts on this game and just kind of watching it unfold? Yeah. Number one, the energy of that place was crazy. I mean, Xavier's fan base normally travels really, really well for road games, especially, you know, the tournaments and all that kind of stuff. I could just tell the energy of that game was different. And then, obviously with you know all the shots that were made i mean Najee hit that huge shot they even put into overtime just the whole environment was and once it got into overtime i mean the the players and the fans were all feeding off of it and i could tell we had something i was like these yukon xavier games are going to be freaking fun so that was the thing that stuck out to me which is the energy of it i just couldn't believe how crazy that game was for a small gym in charleston yeah it was yeah man it was it was it was pretty good um you know for us like you know there was a couple of things that kind of happened in this game that were notable. So at the time, Alteric Gilbert, who, uh, you know, was, was our kind of starting point guard at the time, you know, we look, we like Alteric a lot, but he was really struggling. And this game was really not his finest hour. You know, he go, he, he has 14 no. points, but he goes two for 13. He tries to take over the game late and it just, just kind of gotten, got swallowed up every time he went to the rim. And then meanwhile, you know, some, a funny other thing happened. You have uh, James Booknight, uh, you know, our, our freshman at the time, yeah. you know, he, he misses the first couple of games kind of because of like a, you know, a suspension for, uh, for like a, like a driving mishap. Um, you know, we don't know what he is yet. And then this game, he just comes out and he just goes crazy. Goes 19 points. He's right. six for 10, you know, uh, uh, six for seven from the line. It, just like, you know, it, it was just really impressive. He ends up fouling out eventually, which was actually like pretty, pretty crucial to be honest. That was ultimately like the turning point of the game. Right. But like for us, it was just like, man, it's there. They have it. And you know, and for them to lose, it was tough, but like, yeah, just, you know, it, it was, it was, a, it was a really eye opening game. I think for UConn fans. Cause it was just like, man, you know, first of all, Xavier UConn is fun as hell. Yeah. Two, I mean, well, first, and, and this a neutral site. Like you know, just imagine you get these guys in their actual gyms. Like, oh my god, it's gonna be, right. it's gonna be, uh, be a, be a party, you know. And then it's just like, okay, so the team is obviously capable of going toe to toe with a good team like Xavier. And you know, you guys were in a weird spot too because, like, you guys, I think you, you ultimately underachieved a little bit. I think, but at the, the at the start of the season, you guys were still kind of in like, you know, we're gonna be, you know, kicking ass kind of mode, right? Yeah, I think we were like top 20 in the country when we played you you might have been I, I don't remember off the top of my head but yeah it was just um 
It was good. It was like tell it, was, it showed us like okay, UConn's good enough to compete with good teams. They're not quite good enough to win, but like you know the pieces are there. Um, so what do you recall? I guess just like any particular things you learned about Xavier that day, because obviously you know you, you play double overtime in a game like this. You you you're obviously going to learn something about your team. No question. And what what I mean, it happens with both teams. That was just a game of attrition. So by, by double overtime, we had a freshman and a grad transfer bringing the ball up the court who had never played point guard. Neither of them were real point guards. Zach Fremantle played like the last 20 minutes of the game, and he was the one getting crazy shots. He's our crazy, you know, big white guy who was blocking shots and screaming and going crazy. Um, so I think that was what we learned. Like, man, we got some character on this team. and Because our team was really, really young for the most part, other than Najee and Paul Scruggs and Tyreek Jones. And, and obviously we had a block party that night. I mean, we were blocking everything. But we thought the same thing about UConn. I remember playing you guys and being like, this is a pretty freaking tough team. And I knew it was book night's second game, and that kid played ball. So I think we learned a lot about both teams. Both very, very tough, very scrappy, but both also left the door open multiple times to let it go into double overtime. Yeah, you know, Fremantle. I forgot about him. Yeah, I'm just looking at the box score now. Five blocks. <laughs> what the? I, I for, how, how did that happen? That's uh, that's not what you want for if you're UConn, that's for sure. No. Oh, man. Um. Yeah, no, just like... You know, it was a it was a good game. You know, I I don't think we, so we nece- I don't think we necessarily need to like do the super super deep dive into this one because UConn lost and you know whatever. <laughs> but I think it just I think it just set the tone, and I I really hope that carries over to this year, and I really think it will because I think that birthed a lot of the Twitter stuff, and I really hope that carries over to the uh, the environment of the rivalry, or hopefully with what's going to be a rivalry. Yeah, no, no, for sure. Um, so let's uh, you know, I I don't know if we I don't not really want I don't want to keep you for for too long so I, I guess just kind of looking forward what what are your thoughts on this coming season because we're gonna have yeah. a season but like you know it's not going to be the season that we you know you know the pandemic is still a fact of life so do you have any thoughts on just like you know what basketball is going to look like and what big east basketball specifically is going to look like uh in 2020 21 yeah i wish i knew and that's the that's the tough part is i feel like with leagues like the nba i mean they've taken a proactive approach um, and I wish I could say I was shocked that the NCAA didn't do that, but I'm not. Um, I wish I had more answers, and, uh, and luckily I think we're going to get something. I mean, three months ago I didn't think we were going to get anything. Um, but I think it's going to be, I think like we're seeing, you know, five or so non-conference games. I think a lot of teams, especially in power conferences, are keeping it really light. I know Xavier's doing the same thing. We saw the NCAA tournament committee really prioritize wins last year as opposed to schedule. So I know Xavier backed out of a, uh, a really tough uh, non-conference uh, tournament, and now we're just playing like Toledo and some local teams to get some wins. Um, but man, if, if the Big East season actually completes, it's going to be an absolute gauntlet. I mean, I just can't wait to see what it looks like with 20 tournament games, double round robin. I mean, there's an undisputed champion. So it's going to be an absolute blast. I just really hope that it that it lasts as long as it can. I hope we get to see it you know, reach completion, but we'll see. I mean, I just, I, I'm a little worried because there's just not really a plan in place and they're kind of just rolling the ball out and seeing what happens. But I really hope we see a, a completed season and then still play tournament. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, UConn fans have been looking forward to this year for, well, for, for over a year for, since the, since the news <laughs> broke know. for sure. But like just in the abstract for like over, like almost a decade now, like just to kind of be able to like assess the state of UConn basketball and just be like, it's okay. We're, we're going to be okay. <laughs> so it's it, change. I, I feel so good for you guys, man. Yeah. It's going to be, yeah, it's going to be awesome. You know, obviously like it's kind of tough that like, you know, we're not going to have that first game at Gamble, you know, where we like tip off against Georgetown or Villanova or, right. or Butler or whoever, 
you know, celebrate the 2010-11 championship team, which is wild to think that that was 10 years ago. Like, insane to imagine. You know, Kemba ten years ago. That's crazy. Yeah. Oh man, dude, making me feel old, dude. I was that was that was my team, dude. That was I was working for the school paper for that one. I still remember that play that goes yesterday. Doesn't feel that like that. Doesn't feel like that long at all. All right. Well, you know what? Since that's like my favorite sports moment ever, what was your memory of that? What was it? Where were you uh, in 2011 and when that when that went down? Yeah, it's crazy. I was watching that game with my brother in our living room. I was uh, a young dude. I was graduating high school that year. Um, so yeah, man, I remember just just watching that game, and the Big East tournaments always had just a crazy energy. And uh, yeah, I remember just that. Uh, I can't remember the name of the pick guy anymore. I can see his face though, just getting his ankles broke. And this was when Kemba was on that crazy streak, and I remember just freaking out. That was one of the coolest college basketball plays I've ever seen. Yeah, the Gary McGee, uh, Gary McGee, a legend. Uh, I, Pitt was good. Uh, dude, Pitt was amazing. Uh, Pitt had some dudes. They beat us twice in the NCAA tournament in the Sweet 16, and we did not like those dudes at all. Dude, try being in the same. Try being in the Big uh, East with them. Like I, Gauntlet. man, yeah, just like, dude, back in those days, like you know, obviously the big. I respect the Big East now, but the Big East from like 2009 through 2012 was just well, even before that, but especially that stretch was yep. just a buzzsaw. And Pitt, those were the the baddest dudes on the block. <sighs> Like, oh, I know Dewan Blair and Sam Young oh, and Dan Fields. Oh, they were a nightmare. It's just, just the the biggest, meanest dudes ever. Oh, it was it was a yeah, that was a fun one. Yeah, dude, I was in I was in Madison Square Garden for that one. Me and my my boy uh, Matt McDonough, who's a regular guest on this podcast. I remember we were they stashed us way the heck up on the auxiliary press box, so I had the whole view of Madison Square Garden. Could, could take the whole in, <laughs> whole thing in. You know, Kemba does the like the whole move. You know, you know the dribble move through his legs, fakes forward, fakes back. Uh, McGee goes down like a like a tree in the woods and bang. And you know, for us, it was just like, you know, we're like we're working for the school paper, so it's like we're trying to keep our composure and yep. not just make total jerks of you know make total asses of ourselves. <laughs> How could you not? So I'm just like, you know, if you like took a picture of us, we like looked like Larry Bird after uh, after uh, Reggie Miller hit that shot against Michael Jordan. <laughs> Where everyone's freaking out and Larry's just like stone face. That was us, but like in our heads, we're freaking out. In our heads, we're just like, ah, oh my god, <laughs> the greatest thing ever just happened. Ah. That's so funny. Yeah, it was it was great. Yeah, that the biggest tournament was 2011. Biggest tournament was just just an absolute blast. God, that was wild. Yeah, dude, that was great. You know, I can't wait for the biggest tournament. Like, we're gonna. UConn hasn't done that in a while. Like, we didn't even get to go to the biggest tournament our last year because of that stupid postseason ban. You guys have just been through such a rough stretch. I think it's just going to be such a coming out party. And we, like I said, with hot balls, like a detox year, pretty much. Getting all that crap out of your system. Oh, dude, I know. The, the first Big East tournament, I hope they get to do it this year. But, like, you know, it may still be an empty stadium type deal. So, you know, whenever it is, I hope it's soon. It may not be, you know, hopefully it's sooner rather than later. You know, UConn's first Big East tournament is going to just be off the walls. It's going to be incredible. <laughs> I can't wait. You guys are gonna be out of control, dude. It's it's gonna be so bad. Like you know, it, UConn like in 2014 in the NCAA tournament, you know, UConn had a, a regional tournament. Uh, the, the 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 East Regionals were at Madison Square Garden, and UConn just absolutely blew the place out. I'm sure. And that was like even, we were in the AAC at that point, but like we hadn't gotten our faces kicked in that much yet. So <laughs> yeah, I, I can only imagine like the next time it's just gonna just be a, just be an absolute blast. You know, actually, before we wrap this up, let's talk about that for a bit. You, you guys, Xavier, you know, the biggest tournament. What are your thoughts on that? You know, you guys been, you know, any great moments there for you guys or anything particularly memorable there? 
Yeah, it's crazy because we've gotten to learn the culture of the Big East tournament for Big East teams. Because when we played in the A10, I mean, it's it was just you know a vehicle to get to the NCAA tournament. I mean, we didn't care about the A10 tournament; it's the A10 tournament. So we've really learned that a lot of Big East teams almost take more pride in the Big East tournament than than the NCAA tournament itself, which to me is wild. Uh, but in the last few years, we've been picking up that, and it's you take it personal. You know, now it's like we're starting to take these games personal. We're trying to win this thing. Um, so it's taking some time to adapt to that culture, but like Providence beat us one year in the semifinals, and we were like, okay, whatever, we still got a one seed in the NCAA tournament, and they never let that clip go, ever. So now we're just like, screw this, let's win this damn thing. Um, we've had some really good ones. We went to the championship and had a really good game with Nova, um, and we had a couple chances like two years ago where we went to overtime with Nova, and if we had won, we would have gone to the dance, but it, it's just so fun, and it just has a certain energy about it that... I don't think any other conference tournament college basketball has. So I, I haven't been to one yet either. I, I was in the Navy the last five years. So I've been, kind of been off the wall a little bit. Just got out six months ago. So UConn's first Big East tournament back is going to be my first Big East tournament too. So it's just going to be absolutely wild. And I can't wait to celebrate it. Dude, you, well, first of all, shout out to you because that's incredible. Second of all, you got to go. It's the best. It's the, the best. Just absolutely the, the best. Thing on my list. Yeah. I can't wait. No, for sure. Uh, well, let me tell you this. Providence beat you guys in the in the biggest tournament semifinals. You will be hearing about that forever. Providence okay. Providence got UConn in 1994. They uh you know they upset Danielle Marshall. That that does not go away. I promise oh. you. We hear about it to this day. <laughs> They don't let anything go. No, and honestly, that's the way it should be. Like, you know, the the, the biggest tournament is is a great time. You know, like the the, the six overtime game. It was a it was a. A oh Big East God. tournament quarterfinal game. In the grand scheme of things, a conference quarter, a conference tournament quarterfinal game, not really the biggest deal in the world. But that no. game is widely and correctly regarded as one of the greatest college basketball games ever played. You want to know what it was also a conference uh, college? Uh, uh, excuse me, a conference uh, tournament quarterfinal game. UConn versus Cincinnati, four overtimes, the Jalen <laughs> Adam game. That game rightfully that game deserves that game rightfully deserves to be considered one of the best games ever too, but it's not because it was played in the Amway Arena or whatever the heck that place in Orlando is called in front no of 34 cares. fans. I know. Could you imagine if that game was played in the Madison Square Garden? Like <laughs> Jalen Adams hits that shot at Madison Square Garden, the force quadruple overtime. It would have been legendary. It was oh my god! Like I, people would have died. <laughs> I mean, like like uh, mostly of ha- well, mostly of happiness, yes. but like maybe like Mick Cronin may have actually just like had a heart attack and died right on. The, well, I mean, that I don't guy. know. I miss him so much. I do too. He's he, he's he's wasted at UCLA. I mean, Cincinnati I with Mick Cronin was just like the biggest hot mess ever. It was just so much fun. And he's just a content factory, and he can't play big games, and he's just, oh, he makes an ass of himself. It's the best. Underrated, one of the most kind of fun UConn wins over Cincinnati was the uh, second round of the 2011 NCAA tournament. I think I remember this game. He had like two or three like just complete meltdowns. Well, I don't think that was a. I don't remember the game very much. I don't remember it being very dramatic. I just remember UConn was just like, okay, well, you know, we have Kemba and we're better than you, and that's kind of just the way it played out. But yeah, he was, you know, he was very salty after the game for sure. No, um, he's an excuse factory. It's the best. <laughs> I, you know, I respect it though because so many coaches are just like, you know, I'm not about making excuses. And then, they, of course, under, under their breath, they mutter like 14 of them. McCronin's just like, that was awful. Everything about this is awful. I hate you all. <laughs> it's like, okay. He's the best. I miss him like crazy. Dude, yeah. 
biggest tournament. Going to be a good time. I can't wait. Um, dude, thank you so much. I really appreciate your coming on. This is this was a great time. And uh, you talk about a detox. It's uh, just really nice to talk with another uh, another uh, fan from another team and kind of be able to yeah you know, just have it have just be able to you know have this conversation. This this conversation was not happening with the Oresco Five Twitter uh, family in uh you know UCF or whatever. So good stuff, man. Well, thanks thanks again for coming on. I really appreciate it. Hey, my pleasure. It, likewise, I love talking with you guys. It's a pleasure to have you guys around. Yeah, no, definitely. So, uh, you know, um, I kind of touched on it a little bit at the top, but um, you know, you I know you have a uh, you know you're, you have your own podcast. You have some stuff. So, if you want, uh, what would you like to plug? Anything? Uh, where can people find you? Oh, I appreciate that. Well, CapX15 on Twitter, where you can find all my shenanigans, and then my little podcast, the Rollblah Podcast. We do mostly something for everybody. There's always biggie stuff in there. A lot of you on stuff too. So, something for everybody. It'll be something to listen to, uh, especially as the season goes along. I think I've mentioned it like three or four times, but yeah, your episode with uh, Hot Balls the other day was uh, a must-listen li- must for UConn fans, so you guys should all check that out. And uh, yeah, so we will leave it there. And for all you guys, thanks so much for listening. Uh, we'll be back hopefully next week with uh, try to... Why don't you guys tell me, actually, what school you want here, here next? We still got Villanova. We'll definitely be doing them soon. You know, we've got a couple of others. you got Marquette. We've got Seton Hall. Those will you know, be ones to possibly look into. Um, you guys tell me. Hit me up at Max Cerullo, M-A-C-C-E-R-U-L-L-O on Twitter. DMs are open. You can just, you know, tweet at me and just tell me what's up. Uh, email is yesuconpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, that's, uh, you know, fair game too. And, um, yeah, um, you guys all know the drill. Uh, you know, help us out with five-star reviews and uh, help us game those algorithms so more people can listen. And, uh, yeah, just really excited to keep this train rolling as the uh, – college basketball season is uh, approaching um it's hopefully we'll have a schedule a, a schedule podcast too uh it's probably only a matter of time before that gets announced so that'll be another one so anyway you guys all have a good one and we will all uh we'll catch up uh we'll talk to you next time